Welcome to the Strange Days podcast. My name is Paul Morn. I'm delighted to be back with you. And we're going to be talking about the spiritual practice of fasting. It's confession time right up front. Fasting is something that I've done and I've been terrible at for most of my life. I mean, here's the deal. I will be very good at not eating food for however long I'm supposed to not eat food. I'll be quite rules-based about the whole thing. But in theory, I knew I should have been fasting from food but feasting on God. But in practice, I was fasting from food and thinking about the fact that I was fasting from food for the whole entire time. I know I should have been hearing from God or praying out to God, but I just was actually grumpy and just so self-absorbed for most of the time. I knew I wasn't clearly doing it right because at the end of the day, it was all about me and not about God. I, I think most of us can identify with that confession because it appears to me that the spiritual practice of fasting has been misunderstood and maybe got lost in uh, the sands of time. It's something which has been very instrumental in the history of the church. It's something that Jesus himself did. And it's something which can be an excellent spiritual practice for us to grow in our maturity as followers of Christ. If we're going to be with Jesus, become like Jesus and do what Jesus did, fasting is going to be part of the picture. And so for this week, we want to be looking today briefly at what fasting is, thinking about all the wrong ideas around fasting tomorrow. We'll then spend most of the week looking at the right thinking around fasting. And the last episode will be the good, the bad, the ugly, the practical aspects of fasting. And I have tried to get better at fasting the last maybe eight to nine months. I've um, on most weeks fasted for a 24-hour period. Uh, I, at the moment, I'll eat a meal on a Monday night and the next time I eat will be a Tuesday night. So I'm basically just skipping a breakfast and a lunch that Tuesday. And during that time, I'm not eating food, but I'm turning my hunger towards God and crying out to Him in prayer. And I don't feel lonely in doing this because there's a bunch of others, uh, inner city leaders that are doing it, my eldership team. And I also have comfort from the fact that I've joined in with what the ancient church has been doing and what Jesus himself did. Because Scott McKnight, who wrote a book on fasting, really opened my mind to the fact that at the time of Jesus, the pious Jews would have fasted twice a week. And since Jesus and his followers were considered pious, it's highly likely that they would have fasted twice a week as well. And so there's something to this that, that helps us to become like Jesus. I know you're probably already thinking about that part in the passage uh, scripture where, where Jesus is approached by some people saying, hey, John's disciples seem to fast a lot more than your disciples. What's going on? And remember, Jesus' response essentially is saying that the kingdom has come in him being with us. And so the time for fasting has ended and they're, they're going to be feasting when they're with Jesus. But remember what Jesus then said, the time will come when he'll return to the Father. And during that time, Jesus predicts that his followers would resume fasting. Why would they resume fasting? Well, it's to long for the day when God's grand banquet would take place, when just conditions of the kingdom would be established on earth as they are in heaven. This kind of fast that we're called to do now is nothing more than the embodiment of the second and third petitions of the Lord's Prayer, that your kingdom would come that you all will have done on earth as it is in heaven. So Scott McKnight is speaking about four periods. So just track these with me. First period, prior to Jesus. So you're fasting for the Messiah. You're fasting for God's come. Then the second period, Jesus is with us on earth. So now it's feasting because he's here. 
third period, in anticipation of the coming fullness of the kingdom, we're called to fast in hope. That's where we are right now. We're called to fast in hope. But then fourthly and finally, once when that kingdom finally comes, when Jesus returns, we will be feasting as a rule at his banquet table. Kent Burkhouse, who's written a lot around fasting as well, says that the Christian era is an age of fasting and feasting, of holding the tension of unfinished business while confessing in faith to the outcome. Christ has come, we can feast. Christ is yet to come, we should fast. And so Jesus did it and he calls us to do it as a, as a means of including our whole body in calling out for, for the unfinished business of the kingdom to get done. See, we're not just brains on sticks trying to get theology right, as important as that is. We are whole bodies which can respond to God and can, can be shaped by him through these spiritual practices. And fasting is just so fantastic from that point of view of or whole bodies crying out to God and saying, your kingdom come, your will be done. And so the wrong question right up front to ask is, well, what will I get out of fasting? What will I get out of fasting? No, the right question to ask is, when I'm fasting, what is it in response to? Why am I fasting? See, throughout the Psalms, you can read them and you'll see that they're just some natural companions to prayer. And one of the natural companions to prayer is fasting. And that's why we're doing this series right after Kyle's just led us through the Lord's Prayer and through a kind of mini-series on prayer. Because fasting is such a fantastic companion. We fast from food, but we feast on God in prayer. We seek His presence. So as you plan this week to spend time with God, yes, you won't be eating, but you will also be feasting on God's presence. <coughs> Sorry. Why don't you think about what you'll fill that day with? There are five categories of prayer broadly which you can think about. The first is to repent. Think of an area, God, I need to change my thinking on. Maybe there's a grief that you have been too busy running around to acknowledge. You need to bring that grief to God. I think of a third category which is just responding to God in a time of crisis. That's what's happening globally at the moment. And honestly, that's what Tuesdays have often meant for me. Just an opportunity to catch up with myself and say, God... I'm so confused by everything that's happening. I'm so confused by, by lockdown. I'm crying out to you. I don't know what even I should pray for. And sometimes I'm, I'm asking God in particular areas to, to change the reality of my situation. It's a, a great prayer to pray. Going, God, this is the moment. It just feels like it should change. Please, I'm, I'm knocking on your door. Please change the circumstance. And finally, maybe sometimes I'm setting aside time just to say, God, I want to hear your heart on something. I, I've got a big decision coming ahead and I... I really want to pray for your wisdom. Do you get those five categories of prayer there? There's a, initially just a repentance. There's a grief. There's a crying out in crisis, thirdly. There's a crying out to have changed God's mind on something, to change the reality of things. Then finally, there's a seeking after God's heart and seeking after his mind in a decision. And so fasting is a fantastic companion in prayer. You, you fast from food to create space for God's presence and approaching him as a good father in prayer. As I said, I have often done the fasting part, but never got around to the prayer part because I was just so grumpy with the, the um, hardship of not being able to eat. But then I was reminded of what Dallas Willard uh, taught. He said, you know that fasting 
teaches us to stay sweet and strong when we don't get what we want in life. Right? Do you, do you get that? We, we obviously want food. Food is a good thing. We, we want to uh, nourish our bodies. But then we can't. We, we have an unmet expectation. And fasting throws us into, into that cycle of saying, God, I don't have my expectations met here. But will you sustain me? Well, I cry out and pray and I get your presence. And, and initially we're terrible at it. But over time we realize, no, we, we are actually able to live even without food for a period of time. So we throw ourselves on God and we get his perspective. And not only do we survive, but we can say sweet and strong when other disappointments come in our lives. When we don't get the job we long for. When we let down by friends and family. When lockdown is hitting us hard. We go, God, I have so many unmet expectations. But as I train myself through fasting on how to deal with unmet expectations, I'm, I'm now able to, again, activate that muscle and that spiritual practice of running to you in prayer and coming before you and inviting your spirit to be at work. So I don't want us to approach fasting as a kind of consumer and say, what am I going to get out of it? That's the wrong way to think about it. But fasting is a pathway walked by Jesus, walked by many others through the history of the church that says, God... I am responding to something going on in my life and I'm running to you. I want to feast on you and I want to look to you at this time. And so will you join me this week in identifying a period of time that you will fast and together we'll grow in this discipline. So Jesus, we invite you to coach us on what it means to feast on you. Help us this week as we grow in the spiritual practice of fasting, I pray. Amen.